Welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And unfortunately, today I'm going to have a very abbreviated episode. Uh, the main thing I was going to do today, I'm not going to be able to do. I went to download something that someone had sent me. And when I got to looking at it, it is not what I needed. And so uh, we're going to do an abbreviated episode. I've got a lot of stuff I can do, but uh, it's just going to be me talking, you know, and going over topics and stuff. But uh, I will do that next week because um, I have a couple of people put out some feelers on some stuff about that. So I'll do that next week, what I was going to do today. All right. So an abbreviated episode today. But uh, we'll talk about a few things that I've been wanting to talk about. I'm going to read something to you. Uh, some, uh, it's an um, article that someone had written about our brother, Mr. Gates, about the funeral. And uh, I want to read it to you. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. And then I'm going to talk about a few other things, and then I'll get off of here. But uh, this thing that this uh, reporter wrote is very good, and I'm going to talk about why this is so important, what we've been talking about as far as HIP and all these things here, and the inaction of our leaders at the NALC, and the inactivity and how that has hurt us in one of the biggest fights we've gotten in in quite some time, and that's the intentional falsification. I know that y'all are probably sick of it, but I don't care. Uh, I really don't. I'll talk about it every week if I have to. I think that it's one of the biggest fights that we could have gotten into, and NALC, especially our president, has intentionally dropped the ball. And I believe that's because he's got his head so far up DeJoy's ass that he didn't want to upset the apple cart by coming out and saying that the Postal Service has intentionally falsified something. Um, I don't know why we have our heads up their asses so much. It, it pisses me off that uh, they refuse. That It's the only union leadership in the country that refuses to go after the employer. And I don't get it. And they're probably thinking, well, that's just not our style. Your people are getting dismantled down here on the workroom floor. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. I say that all the time. But the way management is treating the letter carrier today is unlike anything that I've ever seen. And, it, and I attribute that to the piss-poor, weak-ass leadership that we have with our president and our executive vice president. I think both of them are completely worthless and weak. But, and I'll tell you why I say that in just a second. I'm going to read this to you, and then I'll talk about it. It says, local news. Now, this is the news, okay? Thank you for being our rock. Family, friends, mourn loss of Dallas USPS mail carrier who died on this route. Eugene Gates, 66, died on June 20th while delivering mail on his route in Lakewood during the sweltering Texas summer heat. The heat index was above 110 degrees. Dallas, family, friends, and loved ones of Eugene Gates gathered Saturday at Willow Grove Baptist Church in Dallas to mourn his loss and celebrate his life. Gates, 66, died on June 20th while delivering mail on his route in Lakewood during the sweltering Texas summer heat. The heat index was above 110 degrees that day. While the cause of Gates' death is still unknown, now we do know now uh, it was due to the heat, it is sparking conversations about the working conditions of USPS letter carriers. Now this is the news. Remember when I told y'all all these times, News wants this story. Reporters want this story. Uh, magazines want this story. 
You know, everybody wants this story about the working conditions of the letter carrier because everybody loves the letter carrier. I told you all that over and over again and how our union has dropped the ball nationally as far as attacking this, getting things in place for the letter carrier as far as our working conditions are concerned, making changes, real changes for the first time since 1970 about the working conditions of the city letter carrier. And that starts at the top with our, with our, our leader, our president who's dropped the ball intentionally, uh, to me, in my opinion. I think he has intentionally dropped the ball on this. And like I said, I believe it's because he's kissing DeJoy's ass during this time uh, of contract negotiations, not wanting to upset the apple cart. And, and in so doing, and in so doing, has turned his back on us uh, during one of the more important things that have happened to us in, in decades the loss of our brother and finding out the intentional falsification of the SIP training, it would have been a great time to be in the streets for him to be on all the news outlets and everything, uh, trumpeting this cause. And here's what that says. It is sparking conversations about the working conditions of USPS letter carriers. He had been with USPS since November of 1987. The sound of gospel music filled Willow Grove Baptist Church as family and friends wore royal purple, his favorite color. Gates was described as a loving husband, father, and 10-year member of the church. Brother Eugene Gates Jr. had been a devoted and committed member of Willow Grove Baptist Church, faithfully serving under the leadership of Pastor Mark E. Walker Sr., Amber Hopkins said, Brother Eugene Gates Jr. has consistently demonstrated a spirit of love, compassion, and dedication in his service to this church and its members. According to his obituary, Gates grew up in Killeen, Texas, and graduated from Killeen High School in 1975. Gates enlisted in the U.S. Army twice from 1976 to 1980 and 1982 to 1985, receiving honorable discharge both times. Gates then pursued his career with USPS in 1987 and moved to Dallas, where he remained a postal worker for 36 years. Members of the National Association of Letter Carriers, Branch 132, said his death was unexpected, but not in vain. The loss of Eugene brought attention to the working conditions at the United States Postal Service. His passing alerted the government to demand changes to protect the safety of letter carriers while they perform their duties, National Association of Letter Carriers Branch 132 President Kamitra Lewis said to the applause of funeral attendees. I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read this one more time. This is, quote, The loss of Eugene brought attention to the working conditions at the United States Postal Service. His passing alerted the government to demand changes to protect the safety of letter carriers while they perform their duties. National Association of Letter Carriers Branch 132 President Kamitra Lewis said to the applause of funeral attendees. Now, Kamitra Lewis is a hero to the city letter carrier. She is a hero to us. And that's how we will look at her for the rest of her time with the Postal Service. She is a hero to the NELC because the president of the NELC didn't even go down there to do that. The president of the NELC refuses to speak to anybody like she spoke at this funeral. I was talking to someone in 
a newspaper had called me last week. And that's one of about eight that I have talked to. Uh, because they say that they have reached out to letter carriers and letter carriers are telling them to call me <laughs> because of this podcast. Uh, but I was talking to this individual and they said that they were deeply upset by our president, Brian Renfro, because when they tried to engage him in these talks, the only thing that he would say is that there looks like there have been some discrepancies in the training. That was as far as he would go with this reporter. He said it looks like there has been some discrepancies in the training. When I tell you we have a coward as our leader, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm coming from a city letter care. Now, remember, I have nothing to do with NLC. I'm not affiliated with them at all in any way, capacity, shape, or form. I'm coming straight as a city letter care, looking at my leadership, And when I hear that the president of this union will tell the reporter it looks like there has been some discrepancies, that is a sign of cowardice because they want to hear the president say there has been widespread falsification of this hip training. There has been widespread falsification of this hip training and too many resolutions have been signed off with that same bitch-ass language. Looks like there have been some discrepancies. Do the training. Do the training. It looks like there have been some discrepancies. They are following the lead of their leader who is a coward when they do that. And I'll say it, we have a coward as a leader. Kamitra Lewis should be the president of this union. I would follow her. Because she's going to get up in front of anybody and everybody, the newspapers that have reached out to her, everybody that's reached out to her, and then in our brother's funeral, she says that. The government to demand changes to protect the safety of letter carriers. She's done more at his funeral than our president has done. And as a city letter carrier, that pisses me off. That pisses me the fuck off when I see that. So... Kamitra Lewis is a, is a hero to us. I'll say that. She goes on, The loss of Eugene brought public concern for the letter carriers who are not only essential workers, but who are the backbone of the United States Postal Service, Lewis added. Does that sound like a president to y'all? It does to me. It does to me. I'll read it again. The loss of Eugene brought public concern for the letter carriers who are not only essential workers, but who are the backbone of the United States Postal Service, Lewis added. Gates is survived by his wife, Carla, daughter, Carolyn Shania Jones, son, Jamel Gates, father, Eugene Talbert Gates, Sr., bonus son, Desmond Ray, brother, elder, Christopher Gates, sister, Jacqueline Gates Jones, stepsisters, Godiva Gillery and Nina Gillery, five grandchildren, and a host of nieces and nephews. Thank you for being our rock and showing us the true meaning of unconditional love, Carolyn Shania Jones said. May your spirit find eternal peace. We miss you. We love you. We will always remember you. And I echo that. Uh, I echo that. But I wanted to read that for two reasons. Uh, I thought it was beautiful. 
Uh, I think that that Kamitra Lewis is an all-star for how she's dealt with all of this. Not afraid to say what's on her mind as far as the passing of her co-worker and our brother, Mr. Gates. But it also shows the direct opposite of our national leadership and their refusal to get engaged in this conversation. Uh, to tell a news reporter that it looks like there had been some discrepancies. You sound like management. I said that all the time. <laughs> management says that. There had been some discrepancies. Uh, some people have not done the training. Maybe we have put it in. They didn't do it. Looks like there may be some discrepancies. I guarantee this. I guarantee this. If Mr. Renfro loses his job, within a week he'll be in management. That's what I feel. Within a week he'll be in management. He's so afraid to rock the boat. Unlike any other any union leader I see, I saw the UAW uh, union president going at it the other day on a video, going at management for them. Now, ours will say that there's been discrepancies. Why is there such a double standard with us in management? Have y'all ever thought about that? Why is there such a double standard with us in management? I think about that all the time, especially when I go into arbitrations over certain things like falsification. If we falsify something, management will remove us. They'll fire us. If we falsify anything, it doesn't matter what it is. And they will put some of the worst language in there about how we can't be trusted. This is absolutely heinous and all these things because we falsify something. They'll remove us and arbitrators will agree with that. And they will say that, that, this can't be tolerated. We've lost trust. Management can no longer trust us. But yet when it comes to them falsifying things, we can barely get a cease and desist on it. We can barely get our president to say anything about falsification. He says it looks like there's some discrepancies. We'll go to arbitration, and arbitrators will say cease and desist falsifying shit. Why is there such a double standard? Management should be held to the higher standard, not us. We're held to the highest of standards. Management should be held to a higher standard than we are. Why is it that they're not? Why is it we're the ones that are held to that standard? I don't get that. You can have management falsify clock rings, edit clock rings, falsify discipline, falsify training records, make up training records, make up clock rings. They will falsify leave. They will falsify 3971s. There's nothing that they won't falsify, yet we can barely get a cease and desist on that. Why is there such a double standard? Where have we gone wrong? I think it starts with our leadership. I do. And I think that uh, I remember seeing a pre-arb the other day on falsification of clock rings where management was falsifying carriers clock rings, making it appear that they were out of the office in an hour when carriers were still in there sticking. They just falsified them. And the pre-arb simply said management will abide by whatever. Didn't even say cease and desist anything. Them falsifying the clock rings. Why is it that we will be terminated for falsifying something, but management is given a pass on that? I have never understood that. Never understood it. 
to me, if anything came up about falsification, anything that came up about falsification that should go to arbitration. Now, I told you that what happened with our B team, they acknowledged the falsification of it, right? But even at the acknowledgement of falsification, we can't ask for their removal. Even when they acknowledge they falsified something, we can't take it to arbitration and ask for their removal. We can ask that they be removed from supervising city letter carriers. I will never understand the, the, the double standard as far as that's concerned. Uh, but I get it because our president refused to even say they falsified something <laughs> when they falsified the hip training. He says it looks like there's been some discrepancies. So I understand it. I, I, I vision this, and this is a terrible vision, <laughs> but I vision, vision this. Uh, have y'all seen the movie The Human Centipede? It's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. The Human Centipede. That's how I picture our leaders with DeJoy. With, with their mouths just sewn to his ass and him walking around with our leaders just sewn to his ass like that uh, because they're so cowardly, both of them. Pony Boy and Otis both, to me, are, are cowardly. And I think that they, they act cowardly and they talk cowardly. And uh, sometimes if it sounds like a duck and looks like a duck, maybe that's exactly what it is. I want to read something else somebody sent to me. And this pissed me off too. This is what somebody said that the manager told them or put this on their case. He said, briefed on 10-6. If a clerk steals $5 or $20, what's going to happen? They will be fired for stealing from the post office. Now, this is what a manager put out. This is what a manager put out now. If a clerk steals $5 or $20, what's going to happen? They will be fired for stealing from the post office. Carriers being stationary is the same thing. Carriers being stationary is stealing from the post office. That's what they put out. I'm going to read that again. Because that's exactly how I read it. This is what a manager put out on the workroom floor. If a, it's, it's written out, so I guess they set this out. If a clerk steals $5 or $20, what's going to happen? They will be fired for stealing from the post office. Carriers being stationary is the same thing. Carriers being stationary is stealing from the post office. Now, I would immediately grieve that under section 115.4 of the M39. If handbook if if it was said or if it was handed out i'm going to grieve that the one thing you will not call me is a thief you will never do that i have never stolen anything in my life i come in and i work and if i take stationary events to beat the heat or whatever it is you will not say or threaten me with termination and you will not call me a thief i will tell you a thief management is the thief they're the biggest thieves in the postal service is, is postal management. They will steal anything that's not bolted to the floor. They will steal time. They will steal money. They will edit clock rings to steal money. They will clock you out while you're still delivering mail to steal money. 
They will have managers that will lose hundreds of thousands of dollars in non-compliance and still keep their job. They steal everything. I went to had an arbitration where a postmaster, uh, it was during six-day counts, and the data, the initial data showed that this station, it was Woodbine Station out of Nashville, was going to lose three routes. That was what they predetermined, three routes. And so the postmaster of the city just walks by the supervisor and he says, we're going to get six routes out of here. We're going to get six routes. And the supervisor told him, I thought the data was showing three. He said, watch me, we're going to get six. So they ended up taking six routes out of this station. And so we took it to arbitration. The data showed that it wasn't even three routes, but he took six out anyway. And that settlement alone cost the Postal Service over $400,000. That's the settlement, the arbitration's decision, $400,000 on an intentional act to steal from us. The end number through the overtime grievances that was caused by that before they could put the routes back ended up being over a million dollars lost because that one dumbass postmaster walking across the floor saying we're going to get six routes out of here instead of three. And this dumb fuck wants to put out something saying that we steal because of stationary events. If you look at Lake Charles, the non-compliance down there, every time they have a, a carrier that, that was used improperly, according to Article 8, every carrier in the station would get $1,000. So initially... Right off the jump, that's $35,000 that the Postal Service lost because a manager or supervisor didn't know how to schedule properly. That's $35,000 before the, the, before the Article 8 payout. $35,000. And you got some dumbass motherfucker saying that we steal because we do stationary events. In Kingsport, because of a non-compliance Management lost $270,000 over one piece of paper that they didn't give the union. $275,000 they lost. And you're going to say that I steal because of stationary events? How many Article 8 violations do they have across this country because management refuses to abide by cease and desist orders? How much monetary loss do we have because of that? And this dumb motherfucker is going to say, we're stealing for stationary events. We should be fired. All of that comes from these metrics. Remember that dumbass AVP I said, uh, said, hey, we're doing fantastic in this area over one hour office times. We're doing fantastic over cutting out stationary events. They go to these little training sessions where they make us seem like second class citizens. The carrier's stealing from you. They're stealing from you. Every day they come in, they're stealing. you got to catch them. That's how they're trained. That's how they're brainwashed into thinking about us. Every day the carrier comes in, they're stealing. You need to catch them stealing, and let's fire them. Just like this dumb fuck with this thing here. And think of the hundreds of millions of dollars these incompetent bastards lose every year because they can't comply with the, with the contract. Think about that. And you got this dumbass going to put this on the floor. If a clerk steals $5 or $25, you know what's going to happen to them? They're going to get fired. Well, y'all stationary events is the same thing. 
And I blame that on the union because you didn't do anything about it when it first came out about the stationary events. We had to do everything on this fucking podcast about stationary events. Finally, business agents started catching on and started putting shit out after months and months of this shit. I blame that on our union leadership as well. Because you didn't see it coming. And you didn't prepare us the right way to defeat this shit and put an end to this dumbass shit. I blame the union for that as well. Because our union leadership is weak. They can't see what's coming, or either they just don't fucking care. But that's what you get. You get dumbasses like this coming out saying shit like that. I'd grieve this motherfucker into submission that said that. I'd grieve that son of a bitch into submission. Here's another thing. And this is about scanner messages. And I'll have Jeremy put this up for you. Uh, And I'm looking for other things to get. Uh, for this and I may get them this week Uh, but it's about management continuously putting out these dumbass scanner messages about where are you know where your home's at looks like you're going to be late looks like just constantly badgering us over the scanners okay and here's something from the uh, rural letter carriers association and if any of y'all know of anything from the NLC, let me know. I've looked everything up I can I got other people that are very bright looking up stuff for me they've not heard anything but here's, this is from the NR, NRLCA, National Rural Letter Carriers Association. The NRLCA has received calls from carriers that indicate management has been using the carrier's personal cell phone to communicate service directions while the carrier is delivering the mail. Until such time as the USPS provides cell phones, pays for cell phone service, and includes the use of cell phones in the evaluated system, this is inappropriate. In addition, some managers are using the MDD scanner to communicate non-safety-related directives to carriers. This is in violation of their own directive, and I'm looking for that directive. On March 20th of 2015, Postal Service Headquarters sent the following message to the field regarding text messaging to rural carriers on the MDD mobile delivery device, this directive has not changed. Text messaging to rural carriers is limited to safety-related messages and alerts. Y'all hear me? Text messaging to rural carriers is limited to safety-related messages and alerts. And I'm going to say that's the same thing for city letter care. You don't need to send me 50 text messages. Where are you? Do you know where your home's at? Do you know where your stations are? Looks like you're going into penalty. What are you doing? Where are you at? You're stationary. What? Text messaging to rural carriers is limited to safety-related messages and alerts. So I'm going to grieve that. Here's another thing. Multiple delivery devices can scan packages and other mail. Did you also know the devices can perform several other safety-related tasks? The latest MDD models can accept text messages. Supervisors use this feature regularly. Notably, it was used to warn letter carriers of civil unrest in Baltimore last year. Send pre-populated text messages. Employees can report accidents, vehicle damage, and police and fire emergencies to their local office. Receive corporate communications. This feature is used to send weekly safety messages to all letter carriers. Generate GPS tracking. 
Uh, this feature allows carriers to view their routes and receive alerts for hazardous conditions. Again, it's talking about safety. Offer directions. USPS can use MDD to provide turn-by-turn directions for dynamic routes, eliminating the need for hard copy directions. This feature is in the process of being rolled out to Sunday delivery hubs. Get hazard alerts. Receive amber alerts. And that's all it says. And so I am... Um, I'm going to say that uh, if we file agreements on them, I'll use those things. That it's for safety-related tasks, and it's limited to safety-related messages and alerts. I'm going to send that to Jeremy. He'll put it up on Formate Arbitration, and I would use that in agreements. But hold off on that because I got several people that I trust highly to find me this directive from management. Right, here's another thing about that MDD uh, device that's after it says text messaging to rural carriers is limited to safety-related messages and alerts. It goes on on this thing that I've got that I'll send to Jeremy as well. The Postal Service has enabled the text messaging function on the new mobile delivery devices, MDD. This functionality allows supervisors to send real-time text messages and alerts to employees who are using the MDD. This email is to indicate that effective immediately, only safety-related messages or alerts are to be sent via text messaging to rural carriers using the MDD. In addition, if there are any identified locations where management ha may have provided a stand-up talk indicating additional supervisory use of text messages, please ensure that they are informed that only safety-related messaging may be sent to rural carriers. Questions regarding this information should be directed to area delivery operations or labor relations. Area personnel may contact Sean Rice in rural delivery or Reggie Raybon in labor relations. So they're saying if management gets up and tells you in a stand-up talk that they're going to send other things out other than safety, let them know. Let them know. And so that's what I would go by. That's what I would go by. Here's another thing that bothers me. I'll read two things and then I'll talk about it. I really hope this doesn't sound so woe is me, whiny and crybaby, but does the union actually care about CCAs or are we just paying our dues so that stewards can focus on regulars? I know it's a silly question, but I know I'm not the only CCA that thinks that. I'm in a constant battle with management regarding times, street standards, missing scans on packages that I didn't even have or load, putting in a hold down and not receiving the route as the senior CCA, etc. I contact my steward regarding these issues, but I'm not sure if he's extremely busy or just focuses on regulars. I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm paying dues, so that's my main question. I know CCAs don't have that much time, dues paid as a regular of 20 years, but are CCAs important or not? Are we supposed to just get walked all over until we convert? I know it sounds whiny and pathetic, but I'm just curious so I could ease my mind and quite quit being so confrontational and angry at work. If you could get back to me, I'd really appreciate it. If not, I completely understand. And I told him I would address it. Uh, that was what was sent to me. I got another one I'm going to read to you. Hey, Corey, I'm a new CCA within my 90 days of probation. I haven't hit the 60-day mark yet and management is already covertly observing me on the street, pulling me to the side in the office to tell me I'm moving too slow, telling me my speed makes me look like I don't care, telling me they will let me go if I don't meet their speed standards, 
asking me about stationary vents, calling my personal cell multiple times while I'm on the route, using large wire cages for loading, etc. I'm trying my best while prioritizing safety and accuracy, and I know I'll get faster and better with practice rather than rushing. I know that I could grieve some of these issues, but I'm not past probation, and I'm worried about retaliation or management letting me go. I don't know who my shop steward is, and our union seems to have a fairly weak presence in my area. I don't know how protected I am to stop going along with this stuff from management. What is your advice from me? Thank you for your time and for what you do. Uh, I think the one of the biggest injustices that goes on today is how our CCAs are treated by management. And, and this is age old. This has been going on since they were hired. Because you have those managers and supervisors that are straight up pieces of shit. Straight up pieces of shit. And they'll treat them like less than humans. And y'all know what I'm talking about. And we can come to their defense, but all they have to do is let them go. Fire them. There's nothing we can do. I think that that's one of the biggest injustices is saying that they have a 90-day probationary period with no representation. I'm sure there's some reasoning behind it, and I think that uh, DOS did that, National Arbitrator DOS. I guess. I don't know if both parties agree to that or what. If we agree to that, we're dumb as fuck for saying anybody uh, goes any period of time without protection. As a union, we should never say that. As a union, we should never agree that anybody that's receiving a paycheck should go without representation, especially since they're paying us dues. Hopefully we will... Uh, Hopefully, we will get rid of that in our next, next contract. I wish they would get rid of the CCA position in our next contract. I think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to the Postal Service is the CCA position. Underpaid, overworked, no representation, can't represent them. <laughs> Who in the fuck wants that? <laughs> that's horrible. That's terrible. Think about that. You're underpaid. You're overworked. And we can't represent you. Hell, let, sign me up. Sign me up for that shit. Who in the fuck thought that was a good idea? And still to this day, they're being bullied and harassed and intimidated and pushed. And there's nothing we can do. I can go in there and tell the boss, hey, look here, if you keep fucking with that CCA, that's your ass. And they can fire him tomorrow. <laughs> you know? Uh, to those CCAs, I wish more than anything, there's something I could do for you. I do. I wish more than anything, there's something I could do for you. But because of the things that have been put in place, they have tied our hands as a shop steward as far as what we can do. You can go the EEO route if they try to terminate you. But for 90 days, for 90 days, Management will treat you like something less than human. They just will. And our union can't do shit about it. And uh, hopefully, though, we will get rid of that in our next contract because that's one of the greatest injustices that we have going on right now is how the CCAs are treated. Really. It, it, might as well be casuals. Might as well be casuals. We may give you some more money this next contract. They may say, hey, for all the shit y'all got to put up with, here's three more dollars an hour. 
Now deal with that shit too. <laughs> but you know, money's not everything. Money's not everything. Pride is worth a lot too, you know. And peace of mind is worth a lot too, I think. Here's something funny that was sent to me. Hope your weekend is going well. I wanted to tell you, my local people are buzzing about your podcast, and it's creating a stir. Management keeps hearing things like, well, per Corey Walton type shit, and I love it. (laughs) And this is in Pennsylvania. You're leading the way, so you should be recognized for that and proud of what you have done and continue to do. It goes on to say some other things, but hey, hey, look, it's not me. It's not me. I'm just the one who was asked to do this thing. It's you. (laughs) It's y'all that have decided, look, if anybody had thought about from eight arbitration, like, I don't want to listen to that. He's talking about training. This would have gone anywhere, but people are wanting to be trained. Our, our leadership is not doing it. Now you'll see all kind of pictures on social media about these different trainings going on. That's very few. The, the little stations are getting nothing. The little stations are getting nothing. That's where we're reaching. That's where we're educating. Too many resolutions are coming into me where people are saying, hey, thanks to you and JB and and Mike and Poskin and Cole Billups and all these for getting on here and educating us. We're winning grievances that we never knew were grievances. We're winning discipline because of things that y'all have told us and helped us with. The contentions that JB has sent me has helped us win settlements that we would have never dreamed of getting. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. It has nothing to do with Corey Walton. Like I said, I'm a city letter carrier that that has met on a few grievances and and knows a few things about how to defeat certain things. Uh, But it's because y'all have decided to invest in yourself, invest in your coworkers. That's the reason that this is successful. Okay, Your union's not doing it. Your union is not helping. Too many mess. If I put up the messages on from eight arbitration, it'd be a hundred pages of messages, of of snippets. My shop steward's not this. My formal is not this. My branch president's not this. My business agent's a piece of shit. The president, I've reached out to him. He won't do anything. Uh, so y'all have the or have decided to pick up the flag, and carry that. And so it, it's due to y'all. Uh, the success of this and the success of y'all. These locally generated forms, make sure we're grieving those. I get, I bet I get 20 a week of different kinds of forms that management is telling people to sign. First off, tell carriers to never sign anything unless you're present so that you can say, that's not a, that's not an, a PS form. That's a locally generated form. We're not going to sign it. Make sure you're telling your carriers, do not sign things unless the steward is present. Here's one that somebody sent me. Welcome back. One of these welcome back packets. It's got the employee's name, the EIN number, the date. The USPS is experiencing a significant reduction in employee resources due to retirements, consolidations, etc., We will be continually monitoring and validating all sick leave usage. It is important that all employees report for duty as scheduled and adhere to postal policies relative to leave. You had the following unscheduled absences. It's got these dates. 
Please review the following postal policies regarding attendance. I have received a copy of the USPS policies regarding attendance, and it's got employee signature and date. Uh, grieve that form under locally generated policies, under the ASM. Grieve all of these forms that they try to give us on this bullshit here. Uh, the last time I checked, we still have Section 5 of the ELM, which talks about our benefits. I think I've said this on numerous occasions. That talks about our benefits, and one of those benefits is our benefit of sick leave when we're incapacitated to work. And I don't have to be bullied or threatened or coerced out of using that benefit because of some dumbass manager that wants to print out some dumbass form to come out and have me sign it. We're not signing these locally generated forms. All right? Uh, so anytime somebody comes up with one of these forms, make sure you tell your carriers, do not sign anything unless I am present. All right? Don't sign anything unless I'm present. And let's grieve these forms. But when they say shit like the USPS is experiencing a significant reduction in employee resources due to retirements and consolidations, uh, I would ask for that. I'm going to say prove it. Because I'm grieving this form. I want you to prove this with data. Only because I'm sick and tired of these motherfuckers lying to us all the time over every single thing. I have never seen a group of individuals lie as much as postal management. They are the greatest liars I have ever seen besides the president of this union. I have never seen anybody lie as much as them. I just haven't. They're lying, stealing, thieving bastards is all they are. And that's all they're good for. People are like, well, you know, they listen. Good. I'll tell them. If you're listening and you're in management, you're the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. Y'all are the biggest liars, thieving bastards I've ever seen. I worked at the jail for six years, and I trust them more than I trust you. Y'all are as dishonest a human being as I've ever seen, I've ever dealt with. I wouldn't trust you. If you're the last motherfucker on earth, you are the lowest of the low to me. If I caught you doing something, I'd do everything humanly possible to get you fired. And I have before, and I want you to know this. I've had managers fired before from the postal service, and I took great delight in that. I want y'all to know that if you're listening to me. And I'd do the same thing to you. And I wouldn't lose a second fucking sleep over it either. Because I think y'all are dishonest and low down, and unethical. So, if you're listening, management, there you, there's that for you. But next week, I'm going to talk about some DRAC stuff, or Rack. I think they've now changed it to Rack. Uh, got a lot of stuff on that. Uh, there's some other stuff that uh, I'm going to talk about. Go over some more hip settlements next week that are chicken shit as hell. Got a lot of B-team decisions that people are upset with. We'll go over that next week as well. Here's another return to work letter. An employee did sign this one. It says, return to work checklist. On this date, the following attendance-related issues were discussed with this carrier. One, clock rings. All employees required to utilize four basic clock rings daily. Begin to 
out to lunch, into lunch, into an electronic badge reader. Two, tardiness. All employees required to report to, for their scheduled tour on time. Three, cancellation of overtime. <clears throat> when scheduled for overtime, the overtime becomes part of your regular scheduled tour. Cancellation of any deviations to include tardiness is considered to be irregular attendance and will be documented as such on both the PS Form 3971 and PS Form 3972 as absent from overtime. Now, there's no such thing as absent from overtime. No such thing. Article 8 covers overtime, and it tells us what was going to happen if we deny overtime or refuse overtime. There's no such thing as absent from overtime. Okay? Ask them where you can find absent from overtime in the contract. They're stating that if they give you overtime and you don't do it, that's absent from overtime. Well, that goes against quarterly equitability and opportunities. But don't buy into this shit of absent from overtime. If anybody's telling y'all from the union side that there is such a thing, they're full of shit and they're kissing management's ass. There's no such thing as absent from overtime as far as a disciplinary matter. That's fucking stupid. Four, sick leave and leave without pay. When unscheduled sick leave and leave without pay are considered to be irregular attendance. All employees are required to be regular attendance. Regular attendance is reporting as scheduled and on time. Have them clarify that language. Now, we're going to grieve this form anyway, so it's, not going, to, it's going to be a moot point. But if they're telling you all these things, have them define regular and attendance. And they're going to say just that. Reporting as scheduled. So you want me to be perfect in attendance, not regular in attendance. You want me to be perfect in attendance. And we talked about that way back when. Five, request for emergency annual is considered unscheduled and will be documented as irregular attendance. Request for emergency annual leave will be approved or disapproved based on the reason or the emergency. If disapproved, leave may be charged as leave without pay or AWOL at the discretion of the supervisor as outlined in ELM 512-442 and have them read that for you. Okay. Six, pattern setting. Call-ins in conjunction with scheduled days off, scheduled annual leave, holidays, and or specific times of the week. So they're saying that's pattern setting. Call-ins in conjunction with your scheduled days off. So let's talk about this. Let's say that I have Sunday and Thursday off, okay? Sunday and Thursday off. <clears throat> so pattern setting to them is calling in after a non-scheduled day. So I've got Sunday and Thursday. So if you go on both sides of the Sunday, it's Saturday and Monday, right? If you go on both sides of the Thursday, it's Wednesday and Friday. So what day do I have to call off if, I can't, if I'm not going to do it in conjunction with the day off? Tuesday. Tuesday's the only day that I can call off during the week that will not be in conjunction with a scheduled day off. So make sure when you're sick, it's every Tuesday. If it's Friday, make sure you're sick every Wednesday. And if it's not every Wednesday, then you're showing a pattern. That's how damn stupid these people are. If you're calling in in conjunction with the day off, well, fuck, you gave me one damn day, you stupid fuck. Tuesday. So make sure we're asking them about that. Again, we're going to grieve these forms, but this is how stupid they are, and these are arguments they're going to make in their contentions. And I have a heyday on these things in arbitration i'll have them tell the arbitrator what day is the carrier off 
Sunday and Thursday, then what day can he call off that won't be in conjunction with that Tuesday? So anytime he's sick, he's going to make sure it's on a Tuesday, right? They can't answer those questions because they're too damn stupid. Other, AWOL, fair to notify a supervisor or the facility prior to an unscheduled absence, either in part or the entire tour, is considered to be absent without leave, failing to provide acceptable documentation upon request. In addition, the following was discussed. <clears throat> FMLA, dependent care, EAP sections, got 20 sections of ELM, employee, employee signs 3971 with leave type, Discuss attendance requirements and unscheduled absences. Employee comments and employee signature. And this employee signed it. So uh, make sure we're grieving these forms, locally generated forms, okay? There was a B-team decision somebody sent me that they said management can have these forms for their own personal records. You cannot have a carrier sign it. And that's probably what you're going to get, but I would grieve these forms. Any locally generated form about attendance, I'm going to grieve it, Okay. Uh, here's a gentleman sent me this. He said, I'm a union steward at this station, and I just started a podcast entitled Dignity and Respect Today. I guess it's Dignity and Respect Today. Uh, I just started a podcast entitled Dignity and Respect Today. He said, he's got my first four episodes up. I try to keep them short, 15 minutes or so. Me too, brother. Me too. And simple and provide the materials others need to attach the problems I'm addressing. He's probably meant attack. Uh, please take a few minutes to check out the website and podcast. Uh, and so uh, it's called Dignity and Respect Today. So give the guy a, a listen. Uh, anybody that's trying to help, man, give him a listen. Okay? So it's Dignity and Respect Today. And uh, give, it a, give it a listen and help this guy out, man. So we got more and more podcasts coming up. Right? Uh, told you about the one last week. Here's another one. You still got NALCs uh, with Brian Renfro. Theirs is every week. So you got more and more stuff coming out. Here's another thing. And I fought the business, I fought business agents for these questions being asked as well. It says, I have a question about street times. Does our street time change? Was told by our shop steward that it never changes. Only office time does that. I thought we were credited time a minute per package and spurs a certain amount. Please help clarify. Thank you, everyone on here who helps us out. Really appreciate you. Now, several things. Uh, our street time changes every day. <laughs> Mass will tell you that you have a street standard by demonstrated performance, but every day is different. Every day in the office is different. That's why when they say you got an hour office time, we should have grieved that. We should have done a better job at the national level of attacking that. And we didn't because we're too busy sucking DeJoy's uh, ass <coughs> from our president. So we didn't jump on that. Business agents dropped the ball on that hour office time. You got uh, this individual who's not educated yet. That's a fault to the business agent's office. Like I said, when I'm business agent, every carrier will be educated. Every single carrier in Region 8 will be educated. They will never have a question about anything because I will make sure personally that every carrier is educated. And when they are not, these are the type of questions that you get. Is our, does our street time change? Uh, because I was always told that we have a minute per package. No such thing. 
No such thing. There's no time for package. It takes what it takes. There's no set time for spurs. <laughs> they take what they take. Everything we takes what it takes. We have the only standard, which is 18 and 8. That's the only standard we have. 18 and 8. There is no other standard. There is no minute for package delivery. There is no 22-minute load time. There is no hour office time. There is no street time. We have no street standard. So I fought the union for that as well. Look, management's going to lie to us all the time. That's what they do. That's all they do is lie. They lie all the time. So I don't fault them for lying. They're pieces of shit. I call them that. They're liars. They inherently lie. And they want to lie. I encourage them to lie. And, and they'll do it. Uh, the union is who I fault for all of these things because I know what management is. <laughs> you know. Uh, so I fought the union for uh, us not being educated. Uh, we've dropped the ball terribly nationwide as far as educating each and every city letter carrier. Uh, I wish every branch was like my branch. I do. Because my president, Dana Chambliss, anytime something comes out, she's sending a text, an email to all the stewards. I get one all the time. I'm the steward at my station. I'm constantly getting emails from my president. Watch out for this. Watch out for this. Get your carriers ready for this. Get your carriers ready for that. I've got one of the best formal A's that's ever been in JB. He's constantly sending us templates. Hey, look for this coming down the pike. Here's your template. Here's your information request. That's exactly what I think national should do. It's exactly what I think business agents should do. Equip your cares. Get them ready for those things that are coming down the pike. And we don't do that. And I don't understand why. I want every care educated. Our union is exact opposite. They're the gatekeepers of communication and education. They want to hoard it to themselves, keep y'all getting crumbs like paupers, and uh, I just don't understand it. I want every care educated. You know why? Because that's going to make my job easier. I wish every branch was like mine. I do. My president keeps everybody informed all the time, constantly getting emails about things that are coming down the pike, constantly getting emails about things she's heard, things that she's talked with the postmaster about, things that we need to be looking out for. JB is constantly sending out templates to us, information requests, remedy requests, constantly doing that. It's a constant education of our carriers. Union meetings, the same thing. JB will tell them in the union meetings exactly what's going on in the city, how we're going to beat it, how we're going to attack it. It's a constant relaying of information to the carriers. And that's exactly what the union should be doing. And we don't. And so therefore, we have questions like these. And it's not this carrier's fault. It's not this carrier's fault. I have a question about street times. Does our street time change? That's not their fault. Why? Because as was told by our shop steward that it never changes. Only office time does. So our shop stewards are not, <laughs> are not educating our carriers the right way. And whose fault is that? It's not the shop stewards because obviously somebody didn't tell him or her. And so, um, you know, we need to do a better job of, of, um, of educating. Here's another thing and I'll be done with it. Uh, I, I've got, I could keep on going all night with this stuff, but 
this isn't really what I wanted it to be. But since my main thing got squashed, right? I mean, 10 minutes before I got on here, I'm starting to print this stuff out and realizing it's not what I needed. It's the wrong thing. So it ruined about half my damn podcast. So I apologize for that. So I'm just on here rambling and I'm sorry. He's talking about Renfro. He said he finally gave an amount finally for wage increases, seven to 9% at each step. That's what he sent me. And uh, look, when this, whatever the tentative agreement is, if we get one, I have a lot of people reaching out to me that are in the know, okay, that help me out. And that's how I know most of everything I've got, just because of them. Uh, and I will do an episode on the tentative agreement, okay? Uh, <clears throat> if money's the only thing you're looking for, watch out. Watch out, because there's a lot of other stuff going on that we need to be gravely concerned about. Section 2 of the M39, different things like that. Uh, we need to be gravely concerned about, because that can gravely harm us, okay? So just, if it comes out, don't just look at the money and say, hey, we might be making almost $40 an hour. I'll take it. Be careful. We'll go over it in depth, okay, when we get a tentative agreement. But then he says this, we have a guy asking real questions here. Asked about why step B is preventing escalated remedies. And he says the arbitrators the USPS selected threatened to be fired if they give those remedies. Renfro commented basically saying the goal isn't money, is to get the violation to stop. No shit. It's not working. <laughs> so he says that Renfro... He said, it's not about the money. The goal isn't the money. It's to get the violation to stop. Well, somebody should have asked him, how do we plan on doing that if it's not with an escalated remedy? Management will have a million cease and desist. They don't care about that. You can give management a million cease and desist as long as you don't try to escalate that remedy. And we've got our president saying it's not about the money. It's about getting them to stop. How in the fuck do you plan on doing that? Holy shit. Hey. Oh. What? It's not about the money. Everything's about the money. The carriers are caught in the middle because of money. The postal service treats us like shit because of money. They treat us like shit because of numbers. It's so much so they had to put it in the JSOV. They treat us like shit. Talk to your CCAs, man, and ask them how they're treated. Because of money, saving time, pushing us, our office time, one minute per package, 22 minutes to load, five minutes PM office time, get the fuck out. They lie on us because why? Money is their God. It is also the union's God. The NELC is driven by money. It's not driven for the protection of the city letter carrier. It's driven by money. So the carrier is caught in the middle by an employer that is driven by money and will do anything humanly possible to screw us over for money. And you have the union driven by money that will do pre-arb sessions to do away with hundreds of, of arbitrations for the sake of money. They asked Mr. Renfro the other day about all these consolidations. 
about the inconvenience it's causing city letter carriers with these consolidations. And what did he say? But it gives us more city letter carriers. Do you know what more city letter carriers means to the union? It means more dues. So, fuck the letter carrier that's being inconvenienced. We're going to get more city letter carriers, which means we get more revenue based off of more dues. And here's the city letter carrier in the middle. Fucked over by the employer because they're driven by numbers and money. Fucked over by the union because their God is money. And they will settle anything and everything to keep it from going to arbitration, which is the single greatest cost is arbitration. And here we are, fucked over by both people. The one, our agent, who we had to rely on to defend us and protect us at all costs, saying, fuck y'all, your inconvenience. It's about the fucking money. You got the employer, the lowest motherfuckers on planet Earth, fucking us over every single day because of the almighty dollar. And here we are. That's why I say, educate everybody on the workroom floor. Fuck everybody else. Educate the city letter carrier. Fuck everybody else. We will do it here. We will be warriors here on the workroom floor. We will educate ourselves, right? And then we will vote in those that will support the city letter carrier. When we educate ourselves, we will know those people that are on our side or on the side of the almighty dollar. We've got business agents that have sold us out for the almighty dollar and we'll be voting them out. We have those in leadership in the NELC that have sold us out for the almighty dollar and we will vote them out. Don't ever underestimate the power of you, the city letter carrier. Don't ever underestimate the power of you. You are the most powerful individuals in the postal service. You make or break the postal service. Everybody knows that. That is the reason we are the only ones that are timed from the second we clock on to the second we clock off. We're being watched and we're being timed. And our union has allowed most of it by not standing up to these dishonest motherfuckers. We'll educate ourselves down here, okay? All of us will educate ourselves on this workroom floor. And we will vote those in that have decided to support the city letter carrier and not the dollar. That's exactly what's going to happen. So to those that have decided that the dollar is your God and not the city letter carrier, get your shit packed, bitch, because we're coming in and taking your job. Okay? You're sitting in my seat. <laughs> we said that before. You're sitting in my seat, motherfucker. Don't sit there too long. I'm coming to take it. That's what we're going to have to do in our next elections. The city letter carrier is the one caught in the middle getting fucked over by everybody. Now, there are those at National, I've said their names before, that will flat get down and get it. Flat get down and get it. And there are those business agents that are the same. They're too few. They're too few. Uh, we're being sold out by our own people, right? Well, that's it for today. I'm sorry I didn't get that one topic, and so I just had to kind of do this type of shit today. I mean, that's real salted peanuts there because just every topic's all over the place. But uh, I wanted to do an episode. Didn't want to leave y'all hanging. And so there's your about an hour. <laughs> all right. But next week I'll have that stuff. I got some very uh, good people looking up some stuff for me, and uh, we'll get that done. But anyway... Y'all keep fighting, keep educating yourselves, all right? We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay, I promise you. This union is fixing to get stronger 
than it's ever been. It's not going to be with this leadership we have now because they've decided that they're not going to be that. And it's just not who they are. It's not their makeup. It's not their fault that they're cowards. That's their makeup. That's who they are. Okay? We're going to get people in place that are fighters and they fight for the city letter carrier and they don't concern themselves with money. You know, you're always going to make money. You make so many, so much dues. You're always going to make money. Okay. But when you concern yourself with money, like they do, you forget about us down here in this fight. You forget about us down here in this fight. And it's a fight every single day and it never goes away and it never will. That's the reason we have to be educated so that we can meet these motherfuckers head on in the alley. We can meet these motherfuckers head on in the bathroom. We can meet these motherfuckers head on wherever they want to meet us, right? And file these grievances, <laughs> all right? So y'all uh, y'all take care of yourselves. Have a fantastic rest of the week. And I will talk to y'all next Sunday, all right? I love y'all. Bye.